We just started this series last week called Say What? And really what we're trying to do is uh, just move through some of the hard sayings of Jesus. There's, there's, a, there's a bunch of them, but we're gonna look at a handful of them. It, there's these moments in the scripture, specifically in the gospel accounts, where Jesus turns to the crowd Jesus turns to the crowd and says some things, and it's almost as if if we could respond for the crowd, it's almost as if the, the, crowd, the crowd would say, say what? Like, what did you just say? Like, it bugs them. It's like, this is not what we expected from you. This is not what we thought you were gonna say. It's those kinds of things. And last week, we looked at a passage in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus turns to his disciples and reminds them of what it really means to follow him. He says, hey, if you're gonna come after me, you're gonna follow me, you need to take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Forever to save his life will lose it. Whoever to lose his life for my sake will save it. And he talks about come and lay the desires that are selfish desires down and come and pick up, pick up this cross, this little sacrificial living and follow me because my way is better because I am better. That's what Jesus invites us to. Uh, and, and this week we get into a text that, that, that I think, in my opinion, which isn't worth a ton, but you're here. In my opinion, this is one of the, if not the, most uncomfortable things that Jesus says to us. Like the most in our face things that, 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 Jesus, that Jesus says to us, that you hear in the scriptures. So I hope we have ears to hear tonight. I hope that we have ears to hear tonight. But I want to start in this way. Uh, a group, June 17th, 2015. Uh, a group of people entered into Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina to have a Bible study, just like any other uh, week. And they gathered um, in this uh, predominantly African-American church, and they were sitting there and they were studying the scripture, specifically the gospel of Mark. And this Caucasian man, this white man, walks into the, to the Bible study and has a seat in the Bible study. And... Uh, He's sitting there, just kind of unsuspecting character, but it's like, okay, you're here, great, you're here. And after a while, the, the Caucasian man that had walked into this Bible study begins to open fire on the people in the Bible study. And he proceeds to kill nine people in that Bible study. And more. Nine people. And nine people lose their lives that day. There were survivors from that. But nine people at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, lost their life. A couple of days later, they hold the trial for this guy. They invite the families of the victims to this trial. Maybe they can get some kind of closure. The judge opens up this opportunity for the families. He extends this opportunity to the families. He says this, if anybody in the family wants to come up and approach this podium and make a statement to this man, this murderer of someone in your family, if you want to make any statement to him, you can, you can approach the, the podium and do that. And a lady named Nadine Collier, who was the daughter of one of the victims, lost her life at the church that day, approaches the stand. I'm sure nervous, I'm sure angry, I'm sure terrified, looking at this screen that has the face of her mother's murderer. I can't imagine what that would be like. And she approaches the podium and speaks into the microphone these words. I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her ever again. 
but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. If God forgives you, I forgive you. I don't have a category for that. Like the last thing that I'm thinking and approaching the podium to look my mom's murderer in the face, the last thing that I'm thinking is, I'm gonna let this guy know that I forgive him. I'm gonna extend some kind of love. What on guy? What on earth compels someone to answer or to love or to say something like Nadine did that day? I mean, what, what, what could it be that would compel somebody to do that? It's either, it's either that they have lost their mind and they're crazy and they don't get reality and they're not actually like in tune with what is actually going on in front of them, or they have experienced a kind of love that has changed the way that they love other people, including their enemies. And that's what we're gonna see tonight as we look at Matthew chapter five, that Jesus is gonna get in our face with something and we're gonna say, how on earth are we going to do that? And it's only this, it's only that if we have experienced this kind of love that changes the way that we love other people, including our strongest, deepest, most vile of enemies. So Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 43. Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 43, it says this. You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So let's do this. Let's do what we did last week and just answer this question. Okay, what is Jesus actually saying here? He, he turns to the crowd in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. That's just the greatest sermon ever preached, better than any sermon you've ever heard, because it's Jesus preaching it here. And he turns to the crowd and says, you've heard that it was said. So whatever he's about to say, they've heard in some form or fashion at some point in time. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But notice your Bible probably, or maybe it doesn't, has only you shall love your neighbor in quotations because that's the only part that's actually in the Bible. In Leviticus 19, 18, it says this, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So Jesus is reminding these Jewish Jewish people, hey, you've heard this before, love your neighbor. But then he says, and hate your enemy. Where do they get that from? But they are simply because they know as Jewish people, God hates evil, God hates sin. So if they are seeing evil and they are seeing sin, maybe as followers of this God, we should hate those people too. We should hate these people that are workers of evil. But look at what Jesus says next in verse 44. But I say to you, okay, look, no other rabbi around at this time or ever has quoted the law 
and then says, hey, you've heard this, but let me tell you what's actually going on here. Jesus expresses his authority in this moment. That nobody understands the law like Jesus understands the law. Nobody understands the Bible like Jesus understands the Bible. So he says, he says in verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And this is that moment. This is the moment that they're hearing. They, they were like, yeah, we have heard. We have heard love your neighbor. We have, and we do, we hate our enemy. And Jesus says, yeah, but I tell you, you should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And they're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, do what? And it's this cause of like, what are you? Because let's just set it in their context. This is what Jesus is talking about in the immediate time of when this is happening. Hey, you should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here's who I'm talking about. This Roman government that's oppressing you and taxing you and killing your family, you should love them. In fact, you shouldn't just love them, you should pray for them. If I'm a Jew in the middle of the Roman Empire being oppressed by these fools, the last thing I'm thinking is, I'm gonna love them. And in fact, when I lay down uh, on my pillow at night, I'm probably gonna pray for them too. Maybe I'll pray this, God kill them all. <laughs> I mean, it's just this weird moment. It's this weird moment. And then we hear that, so, so, so we don't have a Roman government that's oppressing us, right? Like, Tiberius Caesar is not whipping you when you don't go to school, right? That doesn't happen. And so for us, maybe we think of enemies that we have. Maybe we think of, of enemies that we have. Maybe, they're, maybe they are leaders of the horrific things that you see on the news. Maybe it is ISIS. Maybe it is all those kinds of horrific things. It is that. But that's not very close to home for us. Maybe it's more stuff like this. Maybe it's the guy or the girl who led you on and strung you along and then dumped you. Maybe it's the person that makes fun of you for the way that you look, for the way that you dress, for what you do or don't have, or, or makes fun of you because you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe your enemy is the friend that just stabbed you in the back. You thought they would be here and be around forever. You thought they would stick by you and they just sold you out. They hurt you. You put yourself out there. You thought you could trust them, and they wronged you. And now you've just pictured them as an enemy. Or maybe, maybe for some of you, it's none of those things. Maybe it's the parent that bailed out. When it got tough, dad left or mom left. Or dad made a bad decision or mom made a bad decision, and family fractured. And now all you think about is how angry you are at him or her. And they're your enemy. You see, we're not looking at Roman governors. We're looking at real people in the hallways that we walk in, in the houses that we live in, in the families that we run around in. And so the words of Jesus are, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You're like, what are you, what are you talking about, dude? You're You're nuts. What kind of love is he talking about? It's this. I'm gonna define it like this. The kind of love that Jesus is talking about here is acting toward another person, acting toward another person in such a way that they have a better picture of who God is and how God loves. 
To love your enemy, that kind of love is to act toward them in such a way that they have a better picture of who God is and how God loves. But he doesn't just say that. He says, you should love your enemy and you should pray for those who persecute you. You're like, I don't wanna pray for them. The only thing that I wanna pray for them is God, strike them down. Get rid of them. But that's not what he's talking about. Maybe he's asking, could you, God, maybe this could be your prayer. In the midst of you being hurt by whoever that is or whoever those people are, God, would you help me to get rid of whatever hate is in me toward them? Would you help me to be the kind of person that extends forgiveness so that they can see a better picture of who you are and how you love. God, help. You don't have to pray that it goes well for them. You don't have to pray that they get blessing on blessing. You don't have to do that. You can be honest with God and say, God, they've wronged me. I'm mad. I need your help. Try, try praying that God would use you to reveal himself to that person who wronged you and see how angry you can get after that. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But the deal is, is there's, there's, a, there's some reasons why we, we don't want to do that. You're like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. And here's why I think that is. This was my reason. When I have been wrong, this is my reason, and it may be some of yours. Because, Kate, if I extend love to my enemy, whoever it is that's wronged me, I feel like I'm letting them get away with what they did to me. I feel like I'm letting them get away with how they hurt me, with what they said to me, with how they broke my family. I feel like they're getting away with it. I can't do that. If I love them, they're getting off the hook. And all that you're thinking in your heart is, and all that you're thinking in your head is, I want revenge. They need to hurt for how they hurt me. Listen, can I just, can I just hopefully free you up from this? Romans 12, 19 says this. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Why? Why should we leave it to the wrath of God? For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Here's the reality. God is a better avenger of evil than you are. So as much as you want to strike them down and them to feel the hurt that you felt and to whatever bit of pain that you felt, you need them to, you need them to feel it because they wronged you. You leave that to God because God is a a better avenger of evil and of hurt and of pain than you are. He's better at it than you. He's better at it than you. So let's, let's, let's trust him that he is better. You're not looking for revenge because all that's doing is stirring up all this anger in you. That's all it's doing. And it's making your life miserable. But what if you could trust God and say, look, God, whatever you want to do, you're a better avenger than I am. 
whatever that looks like. But I hope that God would begin to change your heart by some of the realities that we see. So that's why we wouldn't do it. But why, why would we do this? Why would we be the kind of people that do what Jesus says when he says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you? Well, he answers that question. Look at verse 45. He says, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. This is reason number one why we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Because it shows when you do that, when you love your enemies and you pray for those who persecute you, it shows them a better picture of who God is and how God loves. It gives them a better picture of who God is and how God loves. When you extend love to an enemy, one who is not deserving in that moment, you are showing them a picture of how God loves us. And you're like, how is that true? What are you talking about? This is what it says. Check this out. Romans 5, 8 through 10. Just listen to this. But God shows his love for us. You and me. This is including us. In that while we were still sinners, or you can replace that, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. The reason that we extend love to other people, even our enemies, is because we have been extended love by God when we were his enemies. This is the gospel. Is that you and I, because of our sin, the Bible would classify us as enemies of God. We're not just like kind of separated. No, he would, the Bible would say that we are against what God is for. And yet in our sinful state, in our separation from God, God knowing that we could not fix it, God knowing that we could not clean ourselves up enough or repair anything enough, God in that state looked at us as his enemies and said, you know what? I love you. And I'm going to send a solution for this problem. And Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you and I are supposed to but couldn't because of our sin. And he died the death that you and I were supposed to because of our sin. And he went into the grave and got up from the dead, bodily rose from the dead, defeating sin, death, and hell. And God welcomed his enemies into his family through those who trust in Jesus. And he looked at us, his enemies, and he loved us. That's crazy. I mean, that's unbelievable. Why on earth would we love our enemies, those people who have wronged us? Because God loved us when we were his enemies. So who are we to rob them of that? The second reason that we're gonna love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us is because we've been transformed by that love that God has extended to us. So now we love differently. 
because we've been transformed by that love that God has extended to us. And so now we love differently. Look at verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Jesus asks them these questions. Hey, if you only love those who love you back, if you only greet those who you call your brothers, what good is that to you? And the answer to that question is, there isn't any benefit. Everyone does that. Even people who aren't following Jesus, even people who aren't following the one true God, Jesus says, do that. Even the Gentiles do that. Even the tax collectors do that. But he is saying, it would be abnormal. It would be abnormal for us to extend love to those who aren't deserving to those who extend love, to those who have wronged us. It would be abnormal. It would be as if we've received a love that completely changed the way that we love. That's what it would be like. And that's what it is like. Is that you and I, as enemies of God, have received, received an incredible love of God. Now we're no longer enemies, but by Jesus' blood, we are family And because we've been loved like that, it transforms the way that we love other people. This is what it says in 1 John 4, 9 through 11. Listen to this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, meaning this is how we see God's love for us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, listen to this. Beloved, if God so loved us, meaning if God loved us like that, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That John says, if God has loved us like that, it's to change the way that we love. We should love other people, including our enemies, like God loves us. Like God loves us. You see, that love that we've received from God is not just meant for us. It's meant to transform us such that we we share it with other people. You're like, Cade, I, I don't know, man. Like, you don't know what I've been through. You're right. For some of you, I don't. You might be in the middle of hurt right now. You might be in the middle of, you're just, maybe you are going home to an enemy. Or you're thinking about somebody who you classify as an enemy in your brain. You're like, you this is hard. I don't know how to do this. Kid, I don't know what this really looks like. Like you're saying love your enemy and I get your reasons why because the gospel changed us because the gospel is loving her. I get all of that, Cade, but I don't know what this looks like. I need your help. I'll give you two things of what it looks like. Number one is this. The loving your enemy looks like forgiveness. It starts with forgiveness of them. Loving your enemy looks like forgiving your enemy for whatever wrong they've done to you and whatever wrong they may be doing to you. Now, let me, let me just, let me put this out there. Forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not acceptance of their behavior toward you. Listen, some of you may have gone through some horrific things, abuse, or whatever, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Extending forgiveness to your enemy is not you saying to them, what you did is okay. No, it's not that. 
That's not true of the cross, is it? When God extends us forgiveness in Christ, it's not him saying, hey, all of your sin is totally okay. No, he's saying, it's so not okay that I'm going to murder my own son. That's how not okay it is. Forgiveness is not acceptance of their behavior. It's not. It is extending to them what you have been given in Christ freely. So who are you to withhold? Ephesians 4.32 says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Why Jesus freely? We didn't earn it. We were enemies and he extended forgiveness. So why should we forgive? Because we were freely given it. We will freely extend it. Forgiveness is not acceptance of their behavior. Listen, I had to learn this uh, at around your age. I was 18 years old. Uh, some of you heard this story before, and if you have and you're bored with it, sorry. But here's the deal. When I was 18 years old, uh, a bunch of stuff hit the fan with my family such that I walked in my house one day. My dad's, uh, my dad's standing in the door. His bags are packed. And I'm like, what's going on? And he says, I'm leaving. I'm like, cool, where are you going? He goes, I'm leaving. And he walks out the door. And that was the last day that my dad lived in my house with me. That was it. My parents divorced. It was over. And a bunch of junk came out. He'd stolen from us. He'd been unfaithful to my mom. I mean, just, it was ridiculous. And I was angry. And in that moment, my dad became my enemy. And if somebody would have came to me that day and said, well, you know what Jesus says, love your enemy, I would have punched him in the throat. Because I, I just didn't have, a, I, I didn't have a category for it. I was hurt. As time went on, I just got more angry and more angry, such that I finally went to a mentor of mine. I was like, I, I don't know what to do here. He said, well, have you forgiven your dad? I said, no, I haven't forgiven my dad. You don't know what he did to me. I'm not forgiving my dad. He, isn't, he's, he doesn't deserve that forgiveness. What he did isn't okay. And my mentor looked at me and it was so helpful. He said, Cade, you're right. What he did isn't okay. It's not okay. There's a, but there's a big difference between forgiving your dad and respecting your dad. You see, I didn't have a difference in my head. I didn't understand the difference. He said, forgiveness is a command. Forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. It's not an option. It's not yours to hold. Jesus gave it to you freely, so you should freely extend it. You need to forgive your dad and be free of that, but you don't have to respect your dad. You don't have to say, hey, what you did is okay because it's not. And there could not have been a more freeing moment in my life. Like I didn't have to carry this baggage of bitterness toward my dad. I could extend forgiveness because I understood the gospel that me as an enemy, has been, have, I've received forgiveness through trust in Jesus. So who am I to withhold that from my dad? And you know what it does? My dad's not a Christian, but you know what it does when I extend that forgiveness to my dad. It shows him a picture 
As small as it might be, it shows them a picture of who God is and how God loves. Because I know, I know in his head, he carries around an enormous amount of shame that he wrecked our family. And he tries to clean it up and buy and do and all this stuff. And our relationship is getting better, it is. But every time that I don't come in bitter and holding this grudge toward him, but I extend forgiveness and grace, not acceptance, it shows him a picture of who God is and how God loves. This is how we should love our enemies. So what does it look like? It looks like forgiveness. And the last thing is that it looks like sacrifice for the benefit of another. Loving your enemy looks like sacrifice for the benefit of another. Romans 5, 8 said that, didn't it? This is how God displays his love for us and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died. You're like, so what does that mean? I need to like sacrifice myself for my enemy? No. But maybe it looks like this. Maybe you stop avoiding the friend in the hallway like purposely. You're like, I'm gonna go around the world to avoid this person because I hate them. Maybe it looks like you finally picking up the phone call from the mom or the dad who bailed on your family, but you're so bitter that you don't have time to answer the phone. Maybe it looks like you actually answering the call. Now there's, there, there's wisdom here, right? You don't, let it, you don't let an abuser back in your life in a one-on-one situation, you don't. So if that's your story, if that's your enemy, well, I guess we're supposed to love our enemies, so I guess I should go one-on-one at some place with this person that abused me. Do not do that. Don't do that. Jesus isn't asking you to do that. If someone stole from you, don't just hand them money. Bad decision. Like, there's wisdom. But how can you extend love to them such that they get a better picture of who God is and how God loves? That's what you want. You want them to see who God is and how God loves. So the band's gonna come back up here. And uh, I'm very aware, like I'm very aware that there are a good amount of you who carry around a lot of hurt at the hand of someone else a friend, a family member, someone who's not even a friend, but you're just mad at them. And you carry around so much hurt and you don't know what to do with it. You just, you just shove them out. They're your enemy and you're like, forget you. You don't deserve this. Get out of my life. I'm tired of dealing with this. Jesus is saying to you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. So if you're in here and you're a believer, that you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. If you would say that, here's, here's, here's my questions to you. Who are your enemies to love? And how, how starting tomorrow, or heck, starting tonight, how are you gonna love those enemies such that they get a better picture of who God is and how God loves? It could be as easy as picking up the phone or not avoiding, or going to have a conversation face-to-face. I don't know. It can look like a billion different things. If you need to talk to somebody about what that really looks like, like if you have a unique situation, grab an adult and say, here's, here's, here, here's the situation. Here's what I'm facing. I want to love them. Can you help me understand what that looks like? Great, do that. 
but forgiveness and, and love is not yours to withhold. And if you're in here and you're not a believer, you're like, I don't buy this Christianity thing. This seems weird. These songs you're singing are weird. You guys are, I don't know what, what is going on here. But you're hearing that there is a God who looked at us, his enemies, and loved us and gave us the way to be with him the shed blood of his son. And you're like, hey, I don't know about anything else, but that sounds good. I want to know more about that. Help me understand the God who makes enemies family. And you go grab an adult or the friend that brought you that's a follower of Jesus and say, can you help me get this? And we'll talk to you. And we'll pray with you.